Go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 1. I am going to attempt to uh, try to explain something extremely deep tonight. I mean, we are going to go uh, try to go so deep that uh, it, we're going to go places that we've never been before. Uh, literally, uh, you know, literally speaking, I guess you could say. But what I want to try to do tonight, and the best way I possibly can, I want to try to explain eternity and help us to try to understand eternity. Because, you know, one, we talk about having eternal life all the time, don't we? And that's a pretty exciting thing, having eternal life. Well, what does that mean? Hopefully you're interested in that. But also, helping us understand eternity or trying to look at things with an eternal mindset will help us avoid some false doctrine that's out there um, about salvation, especially uh, especially concerning um, you know, like in areas like Calvinism and stuff, you know, there's some teaching out there that it's already preordained who's going to be saved and who's not going to be be saved, and they'll take some verses that it really makes it look like that. And I think the re- what people are missing is this understanding there are some things that are eternal that the Bible talks about, and there are some things that are earthly that the Bible talks about, and if we can try to understand eternity. It can help us, I think, get some avoid falling into some of these false doctrines. So, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 was the first passage I want to read to you. And right here we see a very familiar passage. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay, so what, what does beginning mean? Okay, I mean, it means the beginning, right? It's the start of something. Everything started at in the beginning when God created the heaven and the earth. And it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness He called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Okay? So right there beginning of everything and we see that you know that question often comes up what was there before eternity or not before eternity but before creation okay what was there before creation one of my girls the other day it might have been Chloe or Allie they, they were asking me I forgot how they worded it exactly but basically asking how old God was you know and I'm I was trying to explain the fact that well you know he you know, is, is he more than a million years old? You know, and it's like, well, you know, the truth is, you know, he, he's eternal, which means he never had a beginning and he doesn't have an end. And, you know, and of course, you know, they're asking all these questions and, it, you know, kind of some of the same questions we ask because it's hard to wrap our mind around it. But we see here, you know, in Genesis 1, people ask, you know, what was before creation? But one way I've heard it illustrated before is they'll say that that's an unfair question to ask, you know, what was before creation. Because it implies that there was a before. But the truth is, there was no before in, before creation. And the, way, and the way the same person illustrated it, it would be like if I, came to, if I went up to you and I asked you the question, when did you stop beating your wife? Well, if you say, I, I already did, 
Well, that means you were beating her before, right? And well, if you say I haven't, well, it means you're still beating her, right? So, uh, you know, it, it's it's an unfair question, okay? And, you know, that's one of the questions. Sometimes lawyers will ask questions like that when people are on trial, and the other lawyer will come up and say, I object. You know, uh, you know, that's an unfair question. You can't ask that. And asking what was before creation, it's an unfair question because it implies there was a before in creation. But here we see in the Bible which is what we claim to believe, that in the beginning, God created the world. And the Bible teaches in Exodus chapter 20 and the Ten Commandments that God created the earth and the heavens and all that there is in six days. Okay? Everything was created in six days. There was no before in creation. Okay? So is that when God started? No, you see, God is eternal. He didn't, ha- he didn't have a start. And when we read Genesis chapter 1, when it talks about in the beginning, we see that God, literally, He created time. Evening and the morning were the first day. God created time. God created space. Okay? God created matter. Alright? Now, I'm not a scientist. I am not a physicist or anything like that. I'm not even close. But, you know, people say, well, you know, what is space? Space is the absence of matter, but... You know, I've heard some studies say that they've proved that space is actually something. Okay? And, you know, it's, a, it's something that, you know, boggles greater minds than mine. But the truth is, everything that is, it was created by God and it had, it had a beginning. And, you know, I don't know about you all, I like, I like you know, time travel stories and movies. You know, time travel always boggles the mind. Okay? But here's the thing with eternity... Okay. All right. So picture, you know, with with time, all we can really see is the present. Okay. That's all. That's all we're experiencing. There is a past. There is a future. But all we can experience is a present. It's neat to think about traveling into the future or traveling back in time. But try to picture traveling outside of time. Okay. And the truth is, if you were to travel outside of time, you're going to be in eternity. And, you know, tough to understand, but eternity is actually where God dwells. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Right there, it mentions the King eternal, immortal, invisible. Okay? Now, all we can comprehend and understand are things that are visible. Okay? And an interesting thing about creation too, everything that we know, it all has an expiration date, I guess you could say. Think about it. It mentions God as being immortal. Okay? Everything on this planet is decaying, isn't it? Not, not just on this planet, in the universe is decaying. I mean, even scientists will admit eventually the sun will burn out. Eventually the stars will burn out. If we were going to be around long enough eventually those things would go away. And you know, the Bible talks about heaven and earth passing away. Eventually, everything goes away. Everything, you know, even a rock, eventually. It'll take a long time, but eventually, you know, it wears out. Everything goes away, eventually. But God, He is outside of the earthly, or the universe, of physical time and matter that we know. He is in eternity. Therefore, he is immortal and he is invisible. Okay? We can't see him. Why? We can only, you can only see 
what has matter, right? Okay, everything, you know, things that, have, that are made of matter, which is everything, we can see. Even things that, you know, obviously there are some things that are invisible to the naked eye, but even those things can be seen if looked at through a microscope, or even you can see the evidence of those things, you know, like the wind, technically you can't see it, but you see the evidence of it. And, you know, everything that we know of is visible, okay? There's no such thing as anything that's just completely invisible, all right? But God is invisible. He's immortal, invisible. Why? Because He's eternal, all right? So, He is outside of time and space and matter. Okay, this is tough for our minds to comprehend. Listen, I, I stand around all day thinking about this stuff, and you know, I'm almost getting a headache from this stuff. I'm gonna ho- hopefully I can get get across what I want to get across to you. But um, in Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15, it says, "For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity." Y'all see that? That's God inhabiteth eternity. That's where He lives. That's where He's at. You want to go find God? Find out how to get into eternity. You can't get there from a spaceship. You're not going to get into heaven with a spaceship. Why? Because it's not in this universe. It's not in physical matter as we know it. You're not going to get there. You're not going to get there in your physical body. You're not going to be able to see it with the naked eye. He inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, neither will I be always wroth, for the Spirit should fail before me and the souls which I have made. We see that the ones who have eternal life, we're going to see in a little bit, are the ones who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who admit they're a sinner. Okay? Those who are you know, of a humble spirit, who are contrite. Those who recognize their sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We will dwell with Him one of these days. Where? In eternity. Okay, that's something that we have to look forward to. And, but God does. He dwells in eternity. It's another place, if you want to say. Outside of time and space and matter as we know it. And so immortality, it's something that's difficult for us to understand because everything in this universe is decaying. Nothing in the universe lasts forever. Second Corinthians 4.18 says, while we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You all see that? The things you can see, they're all temporary. They're temporal. The stars, everything that you see is temporary. Okay, That's all we know. But we're supposed to be looking at things that we can't see, which are things that are eternal. We're supposed to be focused on things that are not of this world, but are outside of this world and of this universe, that th- things that are eternal. You know, when I was a kid, I was kind of confused about this because I got indoctrinated by the song, you know, somewhere in outer space, God has prepared a place. And I used to look at the stars and wonder, you know, could one of those be light from heaven? And I used to think that somewhere out in outer space is where heaven was. But the truth is, it's, it's not in space somewhere. Everything out there... It's temporary. It's temporal. It's, it's beyond that. It's outside of that. Heaven is in eternity. And eternity is some place that we, just, we can't get to in this physical body yet until we become like Christ. And that's another uh, story for another day. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 15 it says this mortal must put on immortality. 
One of these days we'll have a body like Christ that will not decay, that will not fade away, and that, that is holy, and it will be able to step over into eternity. And I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to that. So, but um, so you know, immortality. It mentions God as immortal. It mentions Him as invisible. So you know, everything that that is in the universe that's made of matter. It's something that can be seen, even if it's invisible to the naked eye. And so, well, I want to I want to show you. There's there's really not a lot of references to e- eternity in the Old Testament. But I want to look. I want to show you the ones that are there. The very first time. The word eternal is used in the Bibles in Deuteronomy 33.27. And it says, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, and He shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. That's the first time we see the word eternal or eternity used in the Bible talking about the eternal God. And then we read Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15, where it shows uh, where God, He He inhabiteth eternity. We already read that one. And then go over to Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. And we, we see a reference to eternity in here. But I want to read this chapter to you because uh, there's some good insight in here, I think. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. It says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness, the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon them. And the Gentiles shall come into thy light, and the kings of, thy, of the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thine eyes round about, and see, all they gather themselves together, they come to thee. Thy son shall come from far, and thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. The multitude of camels shall cover thee. The dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. Now, I don't know about, I'm wondering if this is kind of a reference or a prophecy too about the wise men who came they came from all over. They brought those gifts to Jesus of gold and incense. It could, I, I think what we're seeing here is some prophecies about Jesus Christ's return and almost His first and second coming. But at the, while those things are spread very far apart, as far as eternity is concerned, it's basically the same time. I guess you could say. But let's keep reading. It says, All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered unto thee. The rams of Nebioth shall minister unto thee. They shall come up with acceptance on mine altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Who are these that fly as a cloud and as the doves to their windows? Surely the isles shall wait for me and the ships of Tarshish first to bring thy sons from far their silver and their gold with them under the name of the Lord thy God and to the Holy One of Israel because He hath glorified thee. And the son of strangers shall build up thy walls and their king shall minister unto thee. For in my wrath I smote thee, but in my favor have I had mercy on thee. Therefore thy gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day nor night that men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles and that their kings may be brought. I think this could be a spiritual reference just to people getting saved from all over and coming to the kingdom of God. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. The glory of Lebanon shall come unto thee, the fir tree, the pine tree, and the box together to beautify the place of my sanctuary. I will make the place of my feet glorious. 
The sons also of them that afflicted thee shall come, bending unto thee, and all they that despise thee shall bow themselves down at the soles of thy feet, and they shall call thee the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas thou hast been forsaken and hated, so that no man went through thee, I will make thee an eternal excellency, a joy of many generations. Thou shalt also suck the milk of the Gentiles, and shalt suck the breast of kings, and thou shalt know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One, O Jacob. For brass I will bring gold, and for iron I will bring silver, and for wood, brass, and for stones, iron. I will also make thy officers peace, and thine exactors righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders. But thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. The sun shall be no more thy light by day. Neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light and thy God thy glory. We know in the millennial kingdom there's going to be no sunlight. There is there. That's something that's to come. That's a, that's a city that we're all going to be. The Bible refers to that holy city of, of New Jerusalem as the bride, the Lamb's wife. And they are inhabited by, I believe, all the saved people that there have ever been. Thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. Thy people also shall be all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. Thy branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten in His time. So we see here, I believe, you know, it's a very prophetic you know, Scripture that I think has reference to the first coming of Christ and also the second coming of Christ. Okay? The reason that there is a kingdom of God and there you know, will one day be a new Jerusalem is because Jesus came that first time and died for the sins of man, and all who come to Christ are a part of that kingdom of God. And it is an eternal kingdom, it mentions. Okay? It's an eternal kingdom. One that go that is beyond, you know, it's not of this world. Okay? It is it is eternal. It is outside this world. But we that's one of the few references we see to eternity in the Old Testament. And then Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it doesn't use the word eternal. It uses the word everlasting, which doesn't always mean eternal. But in this case, I think it does. Because look, and this is also prophetic of the Messiah, of Jesus coming. This, one was, this verse is referenced in Matthew when the wise men came and were looking for Jesus. Herod wanted to find out where he was supposed to be born. He had him look it up, and they read this very verse here, Micah 5, 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be, a, to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been of old from everlasting. Y'all see that? Talking about Jesus Christ, he's been going forth from old to everlasting. Okay, I believe this part here, it's saying he, both ways. Eternal is uh, what it implies there, talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is eternal, just like God is eternal. You know, and it's hard to wrap our mind around it, but it's clear that's the case in the Bible. And so eternal life, okay, which is what we're all about, which is what we talk about, it's something that Jesus, you know, Jesus is the one who started talking about eternal life. We don't really, we don't see that term eternal life in the Old Testament, but the first time eternal life is mentioned in the New Testament chronologically 
is in John chapter 3, right before John 3.16, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. You all see that? Okay. Now, well, what do we call life here on this earth? Well, it's from the time we believe it begins at conception and it goes until you breathe out your last breath. Okay? Life on earth, physical life, it's temporary. But eternal life never ends. Okay? And that's what we all want. That's what we're looking for. That's why we want people to get saved so they can have eternal life. And then Matthew chapter 9, 19, verse 16, this is the first time eternal life is used in the New Testament, even though this came later. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And that was something that he probably heard Jesus talking about, eternal life. That's what Jesus came to give, eternal life. He didn't come to build a kingdom that's of this world because it's all temporary. He didn't come to just give the physical blessings and heal people because those things were temporary. He came to give eternal life, a life that's outside of this world. That goes beyond this world, that goes beyond matter, that is in eternity which is the, the habitation of God. John 6.54 Jesus said, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay? Even those who die physically, those who are saved, who believe in Christ, they're going to get raised up at the last day. We're going to, we're going to come back to life. And so, that's something we had to look, we had to look forward to. And so just like there's eternal life, there's also eternal death. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 2. So now, eternal life is something that's kind of easy, or a little easier to comprehend, okay? Because here's, you know, once again, it's not that hard for us to think from here forever, okay? But you understand, when you're thinking that way, you're still thinking in time, aren't you? Okay, and but at the same time, we think we get it. We think we get from here and forever. Okay, but Bible says we have eternal life. Okay, that means no beginning, no end. Okay, so how can we, when we start, you know, I started, you know, back in 1980. How can I have life that goes forever back the other direction? Well, I'm thinking we're thinking in time again, aren't we? Okay, you got to get out of it. Okay, we got to try to get out of time. That's hard for us to do, but the Bible says we have eternal life, and if we can get this, this is where it's going to help us keep from falling into some of these false doctrines. If we just go by what the Bible says, it says we have eternal life. Okay, so what about eternal death? Okay, so it's like eternal life. It's like we've been saved forever. Well, as far as eternity goes, yes. And then, but what about eternal death? It's like you've been dead forever. So does that mean if you have eternal death, it's because you were never able to get saved? Where if you have eternal life, it's because you've basically always been saved because God chose you, right? Alright, well, I think hopefully I'm going to explain this where it will be clear. We'll see what we'll see what happens. Okay, so I was confusing my I confuse myself with these things sometimes. <laughs> but all right, so let's read these verses about eternal death to so show there is eternal death. It says uh, on Hebrews six two of the doctrine of baptisms, 
and of laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Alright? Eternal judgment. Mark 3, 2. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Alright? So right there we see uh, you know, eternal judgment, eternal damnation. So death is also an eternal thing. Alright? And that... So it's it's tough to imagine, but here's what you have to do. You have to imagine once again, just like we can all imagine time travel because you've all seen enough movies on time travel. You can kind of picture that a little bit, but try to imagine traveling outside of time. Okay, that's where eternity is. And those who, everyone who is alive,